This is Asia in Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of Asia in Focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from our experts in Asia Pacific on the issues that matter most to businesses. Hi, everyone. This is Angela Mancini, partner at Control Risks, and I lead the Asia Pacific Markets Group. Vietnam is one of the world's fastest growing economies with over 8% GDP growth last year and a relatively stable political environment, at least until recently, and quite pro-foreign investment policies. However, we've seen significant headwinds this year with the global economic slowdown and potential banking crises uh, reaching into Western markets and potentially more broadly. And more importantly for Vietnam, there's been a lot of political infighting and an anti-corruption crackdown that has rattled investors as they're looking to uh, expand operations, particularly right as China has opened post-COVID and investors are looking for potentially other locations to uh, have supply chains and operations. And we see that crackdown, particularly impacting areas like healthcare, real estate, and banking, where clients that dialed into that, over 90% of them said that their businesses in Vietnam have been affected in one way or another by that crackdown. And over 50% of them have said that the uncertainty in the direction of policy and regulation as a consequence of that crackdown are having the greatest impacts on their business in the country. So it's all that that we're going to discuss today here, um, really thinking about is Vietnam still the right place for investors to be looking? What I can say is, yes, the risk is higher, but opportunity is still huge. When I say the further crackdown in banking and real estate sector doesn't mean you shouldn't invest in this sector. When some bank got into a problem, that's a bigger market share for other banks. When one real estate company's leaders got arrested, this is the huge opportunities for you to go in and buy at a bargain. That was Lynn Nguyen, Associate Director of Vietnam and Lead Analyst based here in our Singapore office. Lynn, what's happening now with this anti-corruption drive? We've seen a lot of news about it in the press. It's been going on for some weeks now. Can you share some of your observations during this period? What are we hearing on the ground? Yes, of course. Um, what I'm observing in Vietnam now is that someone can easily walk in a bar and have laughing gas that make you feel good. But a dentist or a doctor in a hospital cannot have the gas for their operations. That's just show how dysfunctional the country is at the moment. On one hand, corruption is still going on in everyone's life. Uh, a bar owner can easily bribe the authorities to sell laughing gas, which is illegal. But a doctor cannot have enough facility for their operations because no one in the hospital, no one in the Ministry of Health wanted to make any major decisions or even like some importing facility decisions for the sector just because uh, after the anti-corruption many key leaders has been put in jails many got arrested many lose their jobs so no one wanted to take responsibility at the moment and that's the biggest concern talking about the anti-corruptions um, as um, everyone's already see uh, we lost three key leaders uh, just within a month uh, one president and two deputy prime minister and what I wanted to mention is that many people ask about the president, who he is. Uh, that's an important job. What do I need to pay attention about that? But um, actually, 
the focus should be more on the two deputy prime minister, the two new ones, because in Vietnam, president is actually just a ceremonial role, but deputy prime minister are the people who involve directly in decision making, especially business and economy decisions. So these are people who should be watched more than a president. Another point is that we see all the indications that the anti-corruption is still going on at least this year and next until uh, the dust mine settle down until the end of next year or early 2025 when the next party congress happen when they arrange all the personnel i'm not saying that things will still be dysfunctional in the next two years because that might be too much for a country uh, but we will see here and there every couple of months we might see some more personnel changes more arrests in the business uh, society. As you mentioned earlier, the two key sectors that being impacted a lot by this, number one, healthcare, as, as I mentioned in the example earlier, and number two, real estate and banking, um, they are kind of linked together. And of course, we're going to see a lot more arrests and a lot more crackdown and investigation into these two sectors. Okay, so more arrests to come, in your view, and those are the key sectors that are going to be impacted. But let me ask you a little bit more about the anti-corruption crackdown. In other markets, we see crackdowns, and in some cases, they're entirely politically driven with no basis behind them. Can you just share a little bit more about the anti-corruption crackdown in Vietnam, meaning is there any basis to it? Is Are we going to, at the end of it, have a business environment that's actually cleaner, so it maybe has some net positive effect at the end? Or is this a wholly political situation that's all about um, changing who's in power? Well, of course, there's element of corruption involving in all those cases. For emerging economies like Vietnam, there's always corruptions going on at all different levels. So I'm not saying that those people who lost their job are not corrupted. That's not true. But at the end of the day, many people could ask for a country with limited resources like Vietnam, with limited experience in investigation and executions like Vietnam, and with corruptions everywhere, why these people, not others? Why these business, not others? So it's also driven a lot by politics. As we all know, Vietnam has benefited heavily in the last years as a lot of uh, multinationals have moved operations out of China for cost reasons, for geopolitical reasons and the like. And in fact, we did a podcast with you six months ago where we talked about that and the dynamics that were happening there. Can you give us a little bit of an update as to where things stand now? Again, we've just recently seen China move away from zero COVID and we're seeing a lot of executives traveling into China for the first time in years to look and see what's happening with their businesses and potentially uh, move some of that operation out of China to places like India, Indonesia, Mexico in some cases, and potentially Vietnam. But I wonder, are investors now looking at Vietnam as a place that still makes sense to be? Or are there concerns that with what's happening um, right now on the ground that Vietnam is is a market not to try to get into just now? Thank you for asking this question because you know what? I have lots of clients asking me, is what's happening with politics in Vietnam influenced by China? There's actually an article on a reputable media saying that like all the leaderships in Vietnam arranged by China because the new leaderships, they are all pro-China. I have to say, no, what's happening with politics in Vietnam is nothing to do with China. But economically, uh, Vietnam still 
dependent a lot on China's two neighboring countries. And yes, Vietnam was benefited a lot from the China lockdown during the COVID-19. And I have to say that the country is still seeing, seeing a lot of uh, movement in manufacturing sector. Manufacturers moving to Vietnam. Look, Vietnam is making your iPad and iPod now. And the more Apple products are going to make in the countries as well. So the opportunity is still huge there. Um, but yeah, because uh, the, the country is also very open. So it's tend to be more vulnerable to any global changes. So when China is rebounding, uh, companies feel more confident staying in the country. Uh, so of course, there are less opportunities for Vietnam. And also we're seeing some movement countries, uh, companies moving to other countries like India, Indonesia or Malaysia. So that's also a big threat for Vietnam as well. So if the government doesn't show size of any executed plans to rebuild the conference from investor, then the opportunities cost for Vietnam might be very high in the next couple of years. Okay, great. Let's turn to a situation that's a little bit more at the micro corporate level, and that's uh, VinGroup. And we spoke about VinGroup on our last podcast. Uh, as we know, of course, that's Vietnam's largest private company. And there was a lot of concern about whether or not uh, the chairman would face a situation that some others have faced in other countries where they're too politically connected, and that leads to um, arrests and problems with the business and whatnot. And a lot of our clients actually following that last podcast and up through now are calling and saying, you know, we have some connections with VinGroup or its subsidiaries, and we're really concerned about that specific situation. Can you just quickly update us on what's happening with VinGroup now? Well, you know what, Angela? Um, VinGroups is actually have very close link to Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse has been its sole advisor or bookkeepers in multiple deals, including the um, planning IPO in the US at the moment. So what's happening with Credit Suisse in the West might really concerns those leaderships uh, in, Vin Group in Vietnam at the moment. I recently actually had a, a chat with a senior government officers asking about whether they're concerned about VinGroup uh, financial situations the, the company is actually spending a lot on the car making business and selling other business lines like um, health care, education, even real estate, which is really a cash cow for VinGroup. So when I asked uh, the officers, like, are you concerned about that? Because the company is really big and we talk a lot about too big, too false uh, in the Vin Group case. And the sentiment I got is that the government still wanted to look at Vin Group as a national champion. And with the current leadership, they want to leave a legacy by building up Vin Group as a um, national flag raiser. So... It's really unlikely we could see any really significant fallout in VinGroup, but the company is no longer as attractive as it used to be a couple of years ago. You just mentioned Credit Suisse, which brings me to my next question. I know a lot of eyes have been on the banking situation in the States and Europe with Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse. And some clients have been concerned about the possibility of a banking crisis spilling over into Vietnam. Do you think that that's a risk? Is, is what's happening in the banking sector in the West uh, going to impact Vietnam in any significant way? We all know that recessions come in circle and Vietnam faced a really serious banking crisis 10 years ago. And there's many people talking about another crisis which is happening 
pretty soon. Um, when I have discussion with the, um, the Central Bank of Vietnam, the biggest concern within the leadership is that there is a um, serious mistrust within the leadership in the Central Bank. Like last year, there were rumors that the governor even wanted to resign from the position because there was too much pressure. So there's a lot of concerns whether there's a, another crisis happening. I have to say that uh, what difference between the crisis 10 years ago and the potential crisis that's going to happen in Vietnam now is that 10 years ago, we had a lot of political mandate to support the leadership in the central bank to make decisions to rescue the banking system. We don't see that now because after all the arrests, all the anti-corruption, no one wanted to make any decisions that's not in line with what I written in the book. So if a crisis happening now, that's very unlikely that someone gonna stand up and say, look, we need to do this, which is really not in line with what we've been doing, but it's important to, to rescue the banking system and the economy. So that's the biggest concern. Another concern is within the communication within the local banks, I mean the private bank and the central bank, there's a lack of communication between them because of the mistrust, as I mentioned earlier. As I heard from my sources, local banks now, when they have any concern, they go directly to the prime minister, skip the central bank step, which is really not good for the economy to function because prime minister is not someone who answers detailed questions on banking sector. And the last point is that that several banking tycoons has been arrested. Many of them are now under Thai scrutiny by the government. So what's going to happen to them next? And if one bank got arrested, whether another bank run going to happen in the country, whether it's damaged the people's sentiments, is this really serious problem? Yeah, so it may be what you're saying is that we may see more of an impact from the consumer sentiment if banking tycoons are under arrest as opposed to any technical fallout from bank failures in other markets. We'll return to the conversation with Lynn shortly. In the meantime, please do click on the link in our podcast notes down below to follow our Asia in Focus podcast series, where we bring regular updates from our analyst desk all over the world to you. And you can find the on-demand recording of the webinar I mentioned earlier that we held, as well as the podcast that we did with Lynn six months ago. Okay, Lynn, let's turn to you for the last question. What I hear you saying throughout this discussion is that while there are challenges with the anti-corruption crackdown and the political uncertainty, Vietnam is indeed still open for business. And in fact, it may be a really important market still going forward as more and more companies are looking for a potential uh, option to move operations or expand operations outside of China, given the supply chain issues we've seen throughout COVID and geopolitics and the like. So... Tell us, what's the so what for business? <laughs> what should business leaders be thinking about and preparing for as it relates to Vietnam in the next three to six to 12 months? Look, when I say there's high risk in banking sector, real estate or um, healthcare sector, doesn't mean there's no opportunities there. Actually, well, the real estate companies under scrutinize, some of them going bankruptcy, actually it's a huge opportunities for other companies which have cash, which have capability to take over those companies at lower price. 
The same with banking. When the problem with one bank might be opportunities for other banks. So there are always opportunities when there's problem going on. Many people ask about the policy bottlenecks happening in renewable energy sector, which is the huge potential sector in Vietnam. Uh, but the investors are upset that uh, there's a power uh, national power master plan still being delayed and delayed for years and years. But when there's delay in that policy, you still have rooftop powers, which uh, many companies now are pursuing their zero carbon uh, policy in their factory. So many opportunities in building up rooftop for these factory within themselves. You don't have to sell that power to the national grid. So you don't really need too much policy mandate for that. So what I'm saying is, yes, there's a lot of risk uh, issues going on, but opportunities are still huge. The advice we often tell our clients is that, yes, um, there's some hiccups happening within politics in Vietnam, but you should focus more on policy indicators rather than Yes, one of personnel event. As I mentioned earlier, you should pay more attention to Deputy Prime Minister who's going to make decisions directly relating to your business rather than we have a new president. And the good news is one of the two Deputy Prime Ministers, he's actually a really big advocate for climate change. So we expect that there are going to be a lot more policy supporting renewable energies and other green economies uh, in the next few years. For short-term investor, I could say watch your portfolios very closely because, as we mentioned earlier, uh, there will be more arrests, more investigations. So whether or not your company is under the risk of that is still really worth watching your portfolios very closely and prepare if anything could happen to them. For longer-term investor, I understand they normally looking for signal rather than noise. But for a market like Vietnam, things could change really quick, especially over the last couple of years. Uh, so you still really need to watch the situations closely. There are several milestones in the next uh, several months that the investor should pay attention. Next month, we're going to have the midterm congress where there might be further personnel changes. There are rumors that the prime minister might lose his job. I don't think so because that might be enough changes for leaderships in Vietnam this year. That's already damaged the investor sentiment, so they don't really want to have a new prime minister in the next couple of months. But Keep that in mind as well. We also have the National Assembly meeting in May or June where they're going to pass a lot of policies um, in multiple sectors. After that, we're going to have the next plenum where those parties member, the central committee going to sit together and plan what they're going to do in the next party congress in two years. And from reading through their language, you might see some indicators there in what sector they want to support, what leaderships they might want to promote in the next two years. Um, and last point, but very important for the market live Vietnam, always prepare for the worst, but opportunities is still very huge. 
That's great advice, Lynn. We can leave it there. Always prepare for the worst, but there are indeed opportunities. And I think, you know, again, just to summarize what I heard you say, while there may be hiccups in politics, we do have this anti-corruption crackdown going on. And we do expect, in fact, additional arrests to happen, potentially even with banking tycoons, which might rattle the banking sector. In some, you're saying, look at the trajectory, which is positive for investment in Vietnam, and to really keep an eye out on the two deputy prime minister's particularly as it relates to some renewable opportunities going forward. And as we say to clients, it's all about making sure you're vetting the partners that you're working with and and making sure you understand how closely they are linked to the political situations because there may be fallout. And then, of course, making sure that you've looked at the right scenarios of how things might play out and how that might impact your business and updating your stakeholder map so that you're ready to engage with the right people in the policymaking world. So it just leaves it to me then, Lynn, to say thanks so much. Uh, Really good discussion on what's happening in Vietnam. And again, a nice optimistic uh, end to it because indeed there are opportunities and there will continue to be opportunities for this really important market for Asia and globally. So thank you again. Thank you everyone for listening. Again, there are additional podcasts that we've done in Vietnam and other markets in Asia below in the podcast notes, as well as links to the webinar that um, Lynn and others just held a couple of weeks ago. And please do subscribe to the podcast and you'll get updates on all of the new episodes that we have coming out just as soon as they come out. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of Asia in Focus, be sure to subscribe and make sure to check out our other podcasts as well. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we're helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.